if you keep at it, if you're patient, you will begin to see growth happening again. And you will begin to see that that learning curve begin to go up again. It might be a slow-growing, steady slope. It might not be that sharp uptake that you experienced when you first started learning English. But I promise you this, if you will continue listening and paying attention to the English that's going on around you, especially if you're living in an English-speaking country like Canada, my friend, I promise you, you're going to be getting new words that you can begin to take on and learn and make a part of your life each day. And you will break that learning plateau that you've been stuck in. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Speak English Fearlessly podcast. This is the podcast for motivated English learners who want to speak English fearlessly and learn practical tips and strategies to conquer the CELPIP exam. I also love to feature encouraging interviews with regular people, people just like you, who are working towards becoming fluent in English so we can learn from their experiences together. Who am I? My name is Aaron Nelson, and I've been an English teacher for over 16 years, and I now work to help students prepare for the CELPIP exam through online classes. If you're just joining us, welcome! We're taking a look at something that everyone deals with at some point in their life and learning journey. When all forward learning progress you are making suddenly or even slowly begins to fall and you go from an upward learning curve to a flat line and no amount of hard work or pushing or endurance seems to help you get started upward again. This is called, aside from being terribly frustrating and demoralizing, it's called a learning plateau. And in our specific situation, since we're talking about learning English and building our English skills, it's called a language learning plateau. And like I said before, it happens to everyone at some point in their language learning journey. It really does. There's just no way to get around it. Everybody will deal with it. Maybe you've already dealt with one, or maybe you find yourself stuck in the desert of one right now. If that is the case, then I want to invite you to sit back and enjoy the next episodes over the next three or four weeks because we're going to be taking a close look at breaking free from learning plateaus. So language learning plateaus can be dangerous creatures. They have the power to make you give up if you don't know what to do with one. And like I said before, during the month of February, we're going to take a look at why language learning plateaus happen and what you can be doing about them if you find yourself in one. And if you're not in one right now, if you are enjoying that upward climb, you might want to file this away in your pocket somewhere and keep it handy because at some point, and this isn't to be negative or pessimistic, but at some point you're probably going to find yourself feeling stuck 
And if that's the case, you can reach back, pull this episode out and these episodes out and start listening to find your way forward again. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show and come along with us as we figure out how to get unstuck with your English. Together, we can do this. And again, just in case you're joining us, if this is your first episode, hey, welcome. You can catch the first episode of this series by checking out my show notes today. I'll link to it there. It's actually the previous episode to this one. So this week, we're going to be talking all about how you can break free from a language learning plateau by pulling away from your course book and your English classes. To get us started, I want to share with you a little story that happened to me. When I lived in Mexico, my wife and I, who you met a couple of episodes ago, I'll link to that in the show notes too if you want so you can hear her talking, but a couple of... Uh, not a couple. When we used to live in Mexico, my wife and I ran an English teaching company, and our focus was on helping companies. We worked with employees of international companies who had like head offices in the United States or in Europe, and they needed to use English to conduct business. And I will never forget this one company, our first company that we got started with. My vision for teaching English was to be English that is built around you, not something that has nothing to do with you. Like I, before, before running my own company, I worked for several other schools. And one of the most annoying things that I found uh, being a teacher and working with course material was that very frequently what we were studying in class had little to nothing to do with what the student was needing to do in English outside of class. There was just no connection. And the poor student was maybe doing great in class, but once they got out of class into the, their real world, they were struggling big time with the English that they needed to use. So one of the reasons why I started my own company was I wanted to try to solve that problem. I wanted to build English classes that were focused on the student and what they really needed to do in English every day. And what I found was, is that there just weren't any course books out there that were that focused. They were very general, right? They were very uh, general English. And I mean, you could get business English books that were pretty good, they weren't so bad, but really, really, they, they didn't come close to helping students deal with the English that the real English that they had to use once they got outside of class. So my idea was to build English, English classes that were built around each student and what they needed to do with English every day. So that involved me getting to know my students really well and then designing courses that would help them directly with what they did with English. So we didn't use course books at the beginning. We used the student's life. But something strange happened. As we were getting going, we started getting feedback from our students saying, we kind of miss 
having a course book. What? I, I was shocked and puzzled by this, and I couldn't figure it out. I mean, this was a great idea that I was trying to get them to do. Tell me about your day-to-day -day life, what you use English for, and I'll build something that will help you use the English that you'll need to, to do your life, basically. But they started asking, not one, but many students just started asking for course books. And the main reasons why they were wanting the course book was that feeling of making progression, you know, from going from chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and so on. For many of my students, uh, they have had a long career of taking English classes. In Mexico, where, where we lived, learning English is a very regular part of everyday life for many people. And so students are, are often very used to using course books. So having this class where there was no course book at first was an exciting idea, but they began to ask for that structure that safety, that sense of going from one page to the other page and making progress in that way. So we eventually decided to listen to their to their request and we found the best uh, business-focused books that we could find that was closest as possible to what they were doing in English, even though it wasn't exactly the same. And they were happy to do it in that way. And I, I do get where they're coming from. There are benefits to using course books, aren't there? For one, like I just mentioned, what my students were looking for was that structure, that sense of predictability. The second thing that course books are really good at doing is helping you notice and, and highlighting important vocabulary. They're really good at that. And they're also really good at helping you, helping you notice and learn and practice grammar. But there are also some problems when you rely on course books. And the first one, I've already kind of told you about it in that little story that I told. Course books, at best, are artificial. They're not real world English. They're contained English. And it's not what you're going to experience day in and day out in the real world outside of your English class. And two, while the initial structure and safety they provide can be very helpful, they don't do well to prepare you for the hard and fast and very unstructured English world that you will encounter the moment you pick up the telephone and you're talking to someone who is a native English speaker on the other end, or the moment you get pulled or, or pushed into a business meeting with your coworkers who only speak English. It's a very different and wild world when you step out of the safety of the course book. And if you're not used to doing that, it can be a very rough ride. And three, the third thing, and this is really, really dangerous about course books, is that they can give you the false idea that finishing, for example, an intermediate level course book means that your English is now ready for upper intermediate level. Like your English somehow grew from being a beginner intermediate to a, a more advanced intermediate in the span of, I don't know, like 15 or, or 20 chapters in a course book. If you've ever worked through a course book, 
like I have. I've taken students through course books, many of them in my career as an English teacher, and I can promise you this, finishing a course book does not mean your English has leveled up. No. It just sadly does not mean that. You've gained a lot of great supports. You've gained a lot of great vocabulary. You've gained a lot of, hopefully, uh, useful grammar tools that will help you communicate. But unfortunately, finishing a course book does not mean your English has leveled up. The other thing that's dangerous about course books is that they can become a crutch, something that you depend on and something that you kind of, if you don't have one, like what my students were telling me at the very beginning when, with, the, with the story that I was sharing with you, they were dependent on those course books. They depended on it to feel like they were moving forward. And again, I understand where they're coming from. If, if you're used to that kind of a thing, uh, all your life, if that's what you grew up with, it's hard to, to take on an alternative or a different approach. But we must beware of crutches, right? We can become dependent on them. And then there's English class. English class, they can be trouble. They can be great, but they can also be trouble. And the biggest mistake, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, but the biggest mistake that I see students making all the time is this. And this is like a mindset statement. I only work on my English or my CELPIP prep when I'm in class. I'll say that again. Maybe this is you. I only work on my English or my CELPIP preparation when I'm in my English or my CELPIP prep class. Outside of class, I do my life in my first language. I don't even care about English. I avoid it if I can. All my friends speak my first language. It's just easier that way. My friend, my friend, if this is you, this is a surefire cause of the learning plateau you might be experiencing right now. You will be stuck at your current level for years, maybe even decades, if you have that mindset where the only time you work on your English is when you're in your English class. Please, please, if you don't get anything out of today's episode other than this, don't embrace that mindset. It is the worst mistake you can make with regards to your English class. Don't depend on it to be the only source of English practice that you get. When I lived in Mexico, I saw students doing this all the time. The only time that they'd work on English and be in contact with English was the hour and a half uh, period of time where they were in class with me. Outside of that class, they surrounded themselves with the rest of, well, with, with Spanish, because that was the world that they lived in, you know? They were, they were living in a Spanish-speaking country. But even here in Canada, where I live, we have very good friends, and I've spoken about this so many times on this podcast, but it's something that needs to be repeated because it's, oh, it's just such a hard truth, and it's something that we do naturally, but I have so many friends who build around themselves a bubble in their first language, and they do not step out of it. 
they stay inside that safety of the first of their first language they they have friendships with people they find they somehow manage to find people in Canada around them in their little world where they live in the community where they live they find people who also speak their first language and they stick like glue to them and i totally get that stickiness like you want to stick close to your people right you feel alone you feel left out sometimes you feel frustrated sometimes with how hard life can be when you're just you know moving to a new country when you're just struggling to get by sometimes all you want to do is find someone who speaks the same language as you and you don't want to go through the struggle of trying to communicate in Spanish. I totally get that. If that's something that you are dealing with, my friend, I, I get you. I feel that pain. I feel that frustration of, you know, not wanting to do another thing in English. I just want, I just want to talk to my friends in my first language, you know? So yeah, that whole community piece that we heard in, in that episode with my friend Dozy, where he shares the importance of finding community in order to make it in Canada when you are immigrating here, that is vitally important. And your community can be with people who speak the same language as you, your first language. In fact, you you should have some friends who speak the same language as you. But it shouldn't be your only circle. They shouldn't be the members of that of your community should not only speak your first language. You need to have friends who are native English speakers, if you want to not fall into that trap of building a a bubble around you in your first language. So yeah, you must realize this important truth. Real English development and growth happens outside of your class and in the rest of your life. The more you make English a regular part of your life, day in and day out, the more you will learn and grow. I'm going to repeat that again because it's really true and I really hope you hear this. Real English development and growth happens outside of your English class and in the rest of your life, where the rest of your life happens. The more you make English a regular part of who you are, day in and day out, the more you will learn and grow. Do you remember that article that I referenced last week? I'm going to link to it again, but but that girl, that that young immigrant, she shared this experience. She she shared how she found it difficult and challenging to be in her English class. But as time went on, that English class began to be her community. It began to be her safety zone. But when the time came for her to step out of that safety zone and move into the public school system, that was when she really found the challenges and the difficulties and the struggles with her English skills because she had to face life outside of that bubble that she was living in. Even though she was working on her English, even though she was facing her fears, in that story that she shares, she says that the biggest struggles came when she stepped out. It's, she, she even says that it felt like everything came to a standstill when she stepped out of that, 
out of that class. Like she felt like she was pushing hard and just not making progress anymore. But that's the thing. It's important to not depend only on your English class for your English development. You need to step into the English that's happening all around you, especially if you're living in an English-speaking country like Canada. English is happening everywhere around you all the time. But if you are not connecting with it, if you are focused only on building that first language bubble around you that and staying inside of that safety zone, you're not going to experience the richness of learning English out there where real life happens. So what can you do with the information that I am sharing with you today? Well, number one, I want to encourage you, if you use a course book, if you rely on a course book, I want to encourage you to make your life your course book. Practice noticing the way English speakers around you say things. Like, listen in when you're, if you're riding the bus, even if you're not talking to someone who's a native English speaker, take off, if you're listening to music or something like that, I encourage you to take out your earbuds, if that's the thing that you do when you're riding on the bus, and listen. Listen to the conversations that people are having around you. I bet you, if you start doing this, you're going to pick up phrases and words and ideas that maybe you've never heard before. And you think, hey, that's kind of an interesting thing to say. That's an interesting word. Where I work, for example, I have the privilege of having of running a coffee time for a group of seniors who live in an independent living facility. And there's a group of about 15 seniors who come down every Tuesday and Thursday to the little cafeteria where I work. And we sit around these this big table. I pour everyone coffee and I keep their coffee cups full. And one of the things that happens every single time is that people just start talking with each other. And I've got people around that table who are not from Canada, but who are native English speakers. One of them is from England. And every so often, she will come up with a word and say, or an expression and say it because she, she has a strong English accent when she's speaking. She's a lovely lady. And when she's sharing her ideas, she'll often say words or phrases that come from her growing up years in England. So it's not normal English here in Canada. I've learned words and phrases from her just from listening to her say things and thinking, oh, that's an interesting word, and asking her, hey, what does that mean? And she would explain it to me. And then I would start to use it. And you know what? That's how you make your course book. Or, <laughs> that's how you make your life your course book, by paying attention to the English happening around you. And when you hear a word or a phrase that you like or that you think is unusual or interesting, and you will if you start to pay attention for it, then you need to capture it. As soon as you hear it, see if you can write it down. Or as soon as you hear it, if you've got a cell phone handy, make yourself a voice memo. Hey, I just heard this word. And then record yourself saying that word 
or uh, or a phrase. If you hear an interesting phrase that you've never heard of before, make a note of it somehow. Write it down, make a text note for yourself, or leave a voice memo to yourself, or simply make a mental note. Like that time when I was sitting around the table, I'll, I'll actually give you the word that my friend used. She used the word cacophony. And now I have never, I had never heard that word before, cacophony. Have you heard that word before? It means like a, a bunch of loud noise happening all at once. And she was saying that there was such a cacophony on the bus that she didn't hear when the little announcement came on telling her when the bus stop was going to be that she was listening for. Because uh, probably where you live too, but here in Canada, in Victoria, whenever the bus is driving along, and it announces each stop. So if, if you're listening for a specific stop, you'll be able to know when it's time to get off. But she was saying that there was such a cacophony on the bus that she missed her bus stop and ended up riding like much farther into, the, into town than what she intended to. But I had never heard of that word before, cacophony. So I asked her to explain it to me. And once I figured out what it meant, I started to try to use it uh, on a daily basis. I made it a game with her actually where where I would try to use that word around her and she thought it was great fun. I thought it was fun too. Other people in the group were also trying to use the word with us and so that's how cacophony became a part of my vocabulary. And interestingly enough actually, maybe you'll notice this happening to you too. Once you understand what a new word means or a new phrase means, all of a sudden, it's almost as if by magic, you'll start to hear that word or phrase popping around you all the time. And I kid you not, like a day or two after I learned what cacophony meant, I was listening to the radio and guess what word one of the announcers said? You got it cacophony. And I was very proud of myself. I listened to it with a big smile. And I said, I know what cacophony means because I learned it at work the other day. So that's the next part. I was, I was just telling you the next thing that you need to do once you understand what that word or phrase means. You need to use the heck out of it. Make a point of using that phrase or that word as often as you possibly can on a daily basis. You don't need to memorize it. You need to focus on using it. And when you use it, something really cool happens. The word becomes a part of your vocabulary. And you don't have to worry about memorizing it because you've assimilated it. You've owned it. You own that word. I own the word cacophony now. I mean, it's not mine in the sense that I created it, but it's a part of my vocabulary to the point that I can use it whenever I want. That's what you are looking for too. And my friend, you don't need a course book to do that. You don't need an English class to do that. You don't even need a teacher to do that. I used my friend. I used my friend to teach me what cacophony meant. You don't need an English teacher. You don't need a course book. You don't need an English class to begin building your English skills in this way. You just need to take the initiative to begin doing it. But here's the promise that I will give to you today. And it is 100% guaranteed or your money back. If you do this 
on a regular daily basis, I promise you something. If you keep at it, if you're patient, you will begin to see growth happening again. And you will begin to see that that learning curve begin to go up again. It might be a slow-growing, steady slope. It might not be that sharp uptake that you experienced when you first started learning English. But I promise you this, if you will continue listening and paying attention to the English that's going on around you, especially if you're living in an English-speaking country like Canada, my friend, I promise you, you're going to be getting new words that you can begin to take on and learn and make a part of your life each day. And you will break that learning plateau that you've been stuck in. So don't give up. You can do this. Be patient. Be perseverant. And pay attention to the English that's happening around you. Next week, we're going to talk about our routines and how they can work against and for you when you're trying to break out of a language learning routine. So please, if you haven't already, follow and subscribe to this podcast so you can catch the next episode when it goes out. And if you liked today's podcast episode, you can get even more information about what I'm talking about right now by becoming a free subscriber of my weekly newsletter. Every Tuesday, I send out a new edition that will help you take your English skills and your CELPIT prep to the next level. Totally free. To find out more, please go to selpipsuccess.com forward slash subscribe. That's selpipsuccess.com forward slash subscribe. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you and talk to you again next Tuesday. Bye-bye. My friend, are you struggling right now with your selpip prep? Does it feel like you're lost and everyone around you knows what they're doing except you? Don't be afraid to ask for help. And if you don't have someone to ask, um, hello, I'm here, and I'm not even waiting for you to ask for help. I'm inviting you to come and work with me. I'm an experienced English teacher and certified CELPIT trainer, and I can help you prepare for your exam. So if you're ready to stop feeling overwhelmed with what to study next for the CELPIP exam, and if you're ready to get friendly support and encouragement when you're having a hard time, then today is the day for you to connect with me. I want to work with you. Just go to www.selfipsuccess.com forward slash listener, and you'll get a 25% discount when you join the Selfip Success School. I'll put a link for that in my show notes, but that link again is selpipsuccess.com forward slash listener, and you will get a 25% discount. The Selpip Success School combines weekly assignments that you can do on your own with unlimited support from me, as well as weekly live coaching calls. Let's work together and conquer the Selpip exam.